0: Hey everybody, we're here live. I'm with my good friend Jeff Barrett. What's going on? I'm just excited on? to be
1: here. It's uh, starting to get cold outside. Uh, I can see leaves falling. It's. Uh, I'm going to have to pack up the shorts. It's a. It's a tough experience, but I'll get through it.
0: It's a good time to be alive. Yeah, so well, dude. it's
1: a good time to make sure you're bundled up.
0: <laughs> Amen. So we're super excited today. We've got Steve. DeAngelis, who is the VP of Americas for MNC Saatchi Mobile. Uh, I got to know Steve quite a while ago as we were looking at, at, at some paid social work. Uh, and then we had Steve just recently out at Advertising Week in, in our think tank, where, where we talked with him quite a bit about experience business right on the streets of New York, right in front of the PlayStation Theater. So we're excited to have him here on the podcast. Steve, Welcome. Thank you guys for having me. I'm um, looking forward to
2: the conversation, Mark and Jeff. And uh, I will say, you know, that Ad Week interview was an experience in and of itself. So uh, <laughs> glad to be a part of it. Yeah.
1: Thanks for jumping in the confessional booth because it's always weird when a complete stranger is like, "Hey, do you have anything you'd like to confess?" And you're like, "What do you know about me? What's going on?"
0: <laughs> Fair enough. So, Steve, let, let's jump right in on this on this idea of experience business. When when, when I talk about how. How do you think of the terminology being an experience-driven business? What what does that mean to you?
2: So I mean, I, you know, I think it means it's an evolving definition uh, from my perspective, right? I think if you traditionally, if you thought about experience, you're you're probably thinking about a service business, um, right? And so we could look at entertainment as as probably the best example, but I think increasingly, as we look um, at sort of the up and coming generations, whether that's millennials or uh, the iGen that's coming up, you know. What we're seeing as marketers is there's much more of a desire for experiences um, over things, let's call it. So I think you know, as we look for the future, increasingly I would argue almost any brand needs to bring an experience to the consumer. And how they do that um, really is, is, a, is a value proposition, right? There has to be a value exchange at a certain point. Um, but you know, a brand, there's a lot that goes into that. And I think we're at a point where people need to maybe take a take a tip from some of the luxury brands or or some of those entertainment brands and really try to adopt some of those styles um, as they look forward uh, in their marketing campaigns.
1: Steve, like, what when your clients come to you now? And clients always have usually, uh, you know, they might be in different segments of business, they might be doing different things, but generally speaking, uh, they all usually have the same concerns at the same time. What are the you know, what are the big issues, concerns, um, things that need to be addressed um, from a brand level when they come to you? So I think, you know, when you talk about a, a
2: brand experience, I think what what keeps the clients up at night is sort of the lack of control. Everybody wants control, right? Everybody wants the yeah. brand message. Um, and I think there's a bit of unknown and chaos that comes about um, in that experience because it, it takes a little bit of... Um, allowing the, your customer or your consumer right, to dictate that experience to some degree to raise their hand and say this is what I want and I think you know that can be problematic and so it does it does really require a, a lot of forethought um, to have a really great brand experience and you know again experience is such a catch-all phrase um, but I would almost argue like even just the app itself right if, it, if you're a brand and you have an app that app is a brand experience, or at least an opportunity for your brand to give a positive experience to a potential uh, customer. And so, you know, there's a million different ways that I feel like uh, our agency has talked about the the brand experience. Um, It could be the website, it could be the app, it could be specifically the product itself or the service itself. Uh, But all of these things really, you know, it behooves a brand to put time into it to ensure that it's a cohesive brand experience, essentially, across all touch points.
0: Steve, I'm interested in hearing, I know that you guys are, are, are experts from a paid social perspective, and I think more than that as well. Interested in hearing, kind of give us the background of what you focus on at MNC. And then I want to get into how much do you think about experience today when it comes to paid advertising?
2: Yeah, no. Uh, so, so great question. So, you know, at, at my agency, MNC Saji Mobile, um, we really distinguish ourselves from some of the other agencies out there in, in really having our um, DNA be around performance marketing. And, and what I mean by that is uh, essentially direct response, right? So if, if a client needs to drive acquisition, lead gen, sales, install, whatever trial, whatever it might be, uh, that's really kind of where we shine. And I think it kind of um, is a testament to our heritage, right? Um, we started out as mobile only. Um, and back in the day, right, 2007, 2008, when that first kind of really started to pop, uh, it was the wild west. No one really understood how mobile worked or how really to have measurement come into play. And so, you know, we really had to think long and hard about how, how do we judge success of these campaigns? How do we get some sort of actual measurement um, KPI? And that is something that we've kind of continued as we've grown into all things digital, whether that's paid social or programmatic. Um, and specifically you know, with paid social, uh, we use that in a multitude of ways, right? It's, it's obviously a very effective channel, I think. It's obviously been in the news a lot um, as you talk about paid social, but it's, it's obviously a great acquisition channel, but increasingly we are often using it on behalf of our clients um, to really promote that brand experience, right? Social is one of those channels where you can, you can basically advertise or illustrate um, an excellent brand experience. And what we're finding, though, is the way that some of those social algorithms work, you know, not many people are necessarily seeing it if it's just an organic post. And so there's a bit of a, a, bit of a movement um, where we're doing a lot more kind of what I call content amplification within paid social. Um, and that's really both on a B2B or a B2C side, right? I mean, I think the idea is if you've created a great brand experience, uh, that's, that's usually, A, expensive, B, difficult um and and see time consuming and so why not try to highlight that to as many people as possible and i think paid social is is a great channel for that and so that's what we're kind of seeing a lot of uh, requests from our clients in the recent
0: months so uh, ideally steve what you guys are doing from a paid standpoint is an extension of the already experience driven culture and focus that that your clients have correct
2: Absolutely. I mean, not to be cliched, right? But content is king to a certain extent. And so if if you've done a big experiential event, let's say, and you've created some great videos around that, you know, those videos are impactful. Those videos hopefully are genuinely engaging and interesting to your target audience. Um, and so how do you make sure that you're getting that video in front of as many people as possible, right? Um, and that's kind of where we come in and, and we bring a strategy of, of sort of um, you know, audience segmentation, so to speak within social, uh, and really trying to understand how many times, for instance, do we want to try to expose these
1: individuals to said brand experience content. So my, my question would be as, as things go digital, it kind of blurs PR and advertising. So how, how do you navigate, um, as an agency, how do you navigate in position, um, to, you know, be effective in that space? Well, I mean, I think
2: very often we're very complementary, right? Um, So so paid media and PR ideally work in tandem, not in isolation. Um, That's sometimes difficult uh, as obviously large organizations tend to be siloed. Um, But, you know, we um, have some sister agencies within our group that's specifically focused on PR. And so uh, when we have the luxury of kind of uh, sharing a client, that's something that's very top of mind for us. Um, But I think it's really just reinforcing that message whatever the PR uh, message that they're trying to get out um, You know through earned media we want to really reinforce that and we try to uh, purchase media that's complementary to wherever that PR uh, Campaign is is really thriving and so I'm not sure if it's necessarily repositioning it I think it's really just trying to make sure that we complement each other in that message that it's on message so to speak um, and again, it's it's really just trying to make sure it goes out to more people. Um, it, as, v- as things go viral, I think what we see is, you know, you, you get good coverage on one media outlet, it tends to not be terribly difficult if you kind of amplify that with some paid maybe get some others interested in the same type of story.
1: Absolutely. Now, we're looking into maybe in the next 12 to 18 months, uh, possibly more regulation in social media. That might potentially influence um, not only social media as a whole, but how influencers are used, especially in a paid uh, paid way. Can you talk a little bit about disclosure and how influence work has even changed in even the last three months? Well, I mean, I think the big news,
2: um, right, to, to just call out the elephant in the room, is the new uh, Facebook change in policy, right? So,
1: mm-hmm.
2: well, Facebook is obviously a, uh, an important partner with us. Um, so, you know, I think we've been knowing about this change that was coming since really elections. And uh, the news is, so in Canada, they're going to start to roll out where all advertisers have to have a Facebook page where they disclose all of their ads, right? And if it's a political campaign, they'll also have to disclose spend. Um, and obviously, the reasons behind that are, are some of the um, election difficulties, let's call it, uh, that we're probably all aware of at this point. And so I think that makes a lot of sense for making sure um, you know who's buying election or political ads. I think it's a little more concerning uh, outside of politics, right? From our perspective, I think seeing who who is really um, an advertiser and what they're advertising could have some negative impact in terms of influencers. It kind of might call into question from their followers the authenticity of influencers, which is problematic because obviously that's a big part of it, right? I mean a lot of the value of using influencers if you're a brand is the fact that you're reaching an audience that you might not otherwise be able to communicate with in a a genuine authentic way via that influencer. Um, And if suddenly your followers can go to a Facebook page and see all the brands that you've actually taken money from to potentially um, say positive things, right, there may be some backlash there um, from that, that influencer's community. So I think that's problematic you know I don't think it's really from a paid media standpoint we don't view it as being a negative impact to us I think it does call into question um, let's call it research because basically all average you know as an agency we could go and see like who's got these clients on Facebook right and and the double-edged sword of that is also people can see which clients that we work with Um, so I think that's a little bit concerning but you know, uh, it's it's a level playing field, so to speak, from, from a paid media standpoint. But if I was an influencer, I would be somewhat concerned because, you know, they're going to roll out this in the U.S., uh, we're told, by the summer of 2018. So there's still time for them to kind of amend the policy. But it's kind of there's still some details that uh, we haven't been able to clarify with Facebook.
1: Right. And, you know, there's part of that is people weed it out themselves and, you know, because, but yeah, you're you're trying to make sure it's it's genuine and you don't have another fire festival. I get that. Um but what um what can what do you see other than that being the possible biggest shift in social paid social in the next year? Biggest shift. I mean, to be honest, I feel like it's always tough to tell. Social always
2: seems to kind of surprise me. Um but you know, I think It'll be interesting to see how social um, adjusts to some of the criticism that it's getting, right? I mean, I think uh, today, right, if we just look at the news today, you've got the three big giants, Google, Facebook, and Twitter going in front of Congress, right? Um, To kind of discuss some of the the Russian election meddling. And so, you know, that's not obviously a great PR look for them um, and not to put the blame on them. uh, But, you know, I think how that industry kind of responds um, might dictate how kind of what social is in the coming years. Um, I think it's tended to avoid regulation. Uh, it, it's starting to look like maybe at some point the government might step in here so it, it's a little bit hard to, to look you know more than a year down the line but I think that's a bit of, a, of an area that I uh, I'm personally interested to see how it kind of evolves um, And then also just increasingly, you know, social is uh, is obviously a platform for people to kind of share their own content and make content. Um, and as we see uh, sort of the adoption of, of some of these new forms of technology, whether it's, it's more AR and VR, um, how social
0: adapts to those experiences as well will be quite interesting. So, Steve, talk to me just a little bit, uh, you know, obviously still focusing heavily on experiences. Uh, any examples without sharing client names or whatnot that would get you in trouble? Of a time where where maybe you've seen it doesn't have to be clients uh, <laughs> seen an experience that was that was really bad that was created because of some kind of paid social ad uh, and I'm sure it's actually wouldn't it wouldn't be your clients because you guys wouldn't do that but experience can play a pretty big role in what's happening in paid media today, specifically in performance marketing uh, and interested to hear if you've had any experiences or or been able to see with your own eyes, something that was like, wow, yeah, bad move.
2: Well, I mean, it, you know, not my client, uh, but the one that pops immediately into mind is sort of uh, the, that Pepsi commercial, for instance, right, which which did get a little bit of support on social. Um, you know, from my, my perspective, I think, again, um, without going into too many details, what we always try to advise our clients on is that uh, you that, that experience that you're trying to convey about your brand it's gotta it's gotta be valuable it's got to offer something that's of interest of education uh, of monetary value and you know there are times where brands don't necessarily understand that they they think just the sake of making that uh, that experienced content is enough Um, and it and they always feel like oh you know isn't this enough to go viral yeah I'm sure you guys have heard it before right you get a client says, I want this to go viral I want this to go viral well that's that's not the easiest thing to do, right? There's a lot of factors that go into that. No one really knows what makes something go viral, uh, but it certainly has to do with it being authentic and genuine and valuable. So, um, you know, we try to always reinforce that, but I can't think of really um, a specific negative social experience uh, for any of our clients, other than kind of what I said, where, you know, at times maybe it's a little watered down and, and just not as effective as it could be.
1: Steve, have they ever, um, when people say, quote-unquote, viral, do they actually use air quotes when they ask you? Genuinely.
0: Depends on their age,
1: age. but the older
0: they are, the more likely they're using air quotes. (laughs) Steve, tell me, um, it's interesting to hear from you this idea of value because I wonder how many people that – that aren't necessarily advertisers, but that receive advertisements on a regular basis. Whether it's whether it's TV, social, you know, banner somewhere else. I don't think most people are seeing that as you're adding a lot of value to my life. To many, they would probably see it as no, you're you're driving me nuts. And I think that's where this whole idea of personalization comes in, right? No, no, absolutely, right. I mean, look, I think um, there's the creepy factor
2: right that we can get into but i think what is annoying generally um in my opinion for from the consumer's perspective is when you just get sort of general advertisements that are completely irrelevant to your state of mind um, your background your day whatever it might be i think um, in a way advertisers can provide value by being very contextually relevant um you know and, and i think that's one reason why social is is such a, a great channel uh, often for, for kind of direct response type of marketing right because we might know that, hey, you were just talking about a trip to Italy, so you're probably interested in flights to Italy, right, or hotels in Rome. Um, and if I know that you're currently in market for that and I could put some information in front of you that saves you 10% on said flight or hotel, I would think most consumers would find that valuable, right? Of course, they may get creeped out uh, depending on how you position it, so there is a fine balance, don't get me wrong. But to your point about personalization, right, it's about me as the consumer. And I want you to come to me with information
0: or value that's, that's specific to me. I, I think that's so, so brilliant, Steve. I mean, for myself, to give a, a I guess, a kind of an example, I'm, I'm not ever interested in red stilettos. Um, <laughs> contrary to popular belief, Jeff, no smart aleck comments yes. from you. <laughs> My wife may be
1: no it's one of my favorite <laughs> emojis
0: <laughs> but but I search a lot I spend a lot of time online. I want to be served up stuff that I actually care about um, uh, you know and, and yes there's a fine line between creepy and, and relevant and personalized and, and don't cross it but uh, how much do you think we've we've passed that line of people thinking creepy versus personalized and relevant? Do we still have a lot of issue there? You know, I, I think, again, it, it comes down to the generation. Um, I feel like my
2: generation, I'm kind of on the cusp of millennials, is still trying to come to terms with with some of the fact that, right, like essentially people have a lot of data about you and they're listening in and, and they're using that to hopefully cater that experience for you, which is a positive, right? But it's still kind of weird. I would say, uh, older millennials out and up. Um, I, I like to see kind of as we, we see younger people who have grown up with social, who've grown up with phones, uh, I don't know that they'll I don't find it creepy at all because it's just been life,
0: right? Like they've, they've only known it. Yeah, that's super interesting. So th- talk, to me, talk to me about something else, Steve. So all looking at this experience type story again, how often do you see today that you are looking at clients that are trying to tell a holistic experience-focused story where, like you said, PR is part of it, paid is part of it, uh, you know, demand may be part of it, and a whole bunch of other things. Is Most of the clients you work with today, does it seem pretty bifurcated and siloed, or are we getting to a point where people are really focused on driving good experiences no matter the channel, no matter the initiative? no matter the function within well, the company.
2: I I mean, certainly some brands are much further ahead on that journey, so to speak, than others. And so I, don't, I, I certainly don't think that every company out there is providing a holistic, um, wonderful experience necessarily for the consumer or their customers, right? Um, so I think we have ways to go. But I do see the trends, especially kind of with the larger, uh, let's call them Fortune 100, Fortune 500 brands that I work with, uh, that there is really a movement... Um, to, to kind of break down some of those silos and, and make sure, uh, again, that the brand has uh, an, an appropriate brand story or brand experience. And I'll just use the example of, of kind of corporate social responsibility. Um, when I first got in the industry, that wasn't necessarily a big, big department or a big focus for a lot of these brands. Today, almost any conversation I have, that's part of it. Um, and again, to your point um, about social and about sort of promoting a you know, brand experience, you know, it's so important because A, uh, whatever social cause that company kind of wants to, uh, to back or endorse or support, whatever we want to call it, uh, you know, that's got to be in line with the brand and what the brand stands for. And I think consumers today want to see that um, from brands, right? That, hey, we want to understand your values. We want to make sure your values align with us. Um, but that also means that you got to create content around some of that core you know, social responsibility stuff that 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 brand is exercising and then making sure that it gets in front of the right audience. So I personally think that brands are are now woken up to it and and are are trying to focus on that holistic kind of brand experience. And part of that, obviously, um, is is greater than just selling things. Um, It's got to be there's got to be
1: a bit of a feel good aspect to it. Yeah, and I mean, like, look, some of it can be a little bit calculated, but so you look at like an Airbnb. Airbnb, obviously, position wise, is mostly in large urban centers on the coasts. So it makes sense that they would support certain causes, right? Um, do you sometimes look at um, where a brand is predominantly, what um, the demographics might be, and how they would kind of approach these? Or do these things usually just kind of. Um, come up organically based on, you know, the people at the top and the causes that they'd like to I support. think it's kind of a mix.
2: Um, you know, sometimes you have senior management uh, that's very passionate uh, about social justice and social causes and, and therefore sort of um, dictating potentially what that brand wants to support. Um, but then I think there are other companies that are very calculated and trying to understand kind of what are the beliefs of our, our core audience. Let's make sure we align with that. Um, you know, so I think it's again, it's if if there is a cult of personality for a particular brand, I think you generally see that um, kind of manifest itself in whatever social responsibility uh, projects they work on. But then again, I, I also very much believe that certain certain companies are very calculated, right? And and they're going, okay, who's our core audience? How do we uh, how do we make sure that we're uh, highlighting causes that that hit home for them.
1: And you're saying if Pepsi had had somebody uh, (laughs) from CSR on that team, they probably would have made a different decision? I'd like to think so, but, you know, who knows? But that's that's kind of like the tripwire, right? Because, like, normally that's the perfect – I mean, that's what Pepsi and Coke have been doing for maybe 30 years and effectively. So it was one of those things where, again, they did the same thing that they've done that's effective for a long time, right? And this time – um, it, it backfired but do you do you see a from advertising as a whole do you see a tougher climate to get that message right
2: I absolutely do and I, I mean I don't think that's an advertising thing I think that's a you know, pop culture social uh, evolution right I mean I think uh, look at all the things that are in the news this week right Um just Kind of kind of around sexual harassment and things like that like the culture is shifting and I think sometimes for a brand It's hard to know how quickly those things can evolve and shift and so, you know Companies tend to want to be risk adverse and not say anything too controversial but I think the definition of controversial is slowly changing and maybe getting a little bit more explicit uh, in today today's times
0: That's interesting. So Steve we talked a little bit about the need for businesses to be working together holistically, not to be off in their own silos, doing their own little things, if we want to be really experience-driven. So we want, we want your advice. Give us, it could be one to three to five, whatever you think is best. Where should companies start? If they want to look at, okay, I want to be more focused on the experience. That means that I've got to work more with my colleagues in, in comms and in finance and in HR and everything else. Where, where do they start? What should they do?
2: You know, I, I, I view, my, my view is kind of prioritize, right? You can't uh, build Rome overnight, as they say. And so I really kind of looking at what are the, where do, does your brand interact with your customers the most, right? And that's different for different companies. Uh, but really trying to make sure that, hey, wherever I reach the most people, let, let's start with that and make sure that that brand experience is what we want it to be and that it represents the, the brand appropriately. Um, you know, for some of our clients, Uh, who are very kind of like app driven that's the app itself and it really starts there and i would even argue it goes beyond just the app right it's it's you're even just like your app store page Um, i find it interesting that some brands that i've spoken to you know don't really think a lot about testing and um, optimizing their app store page but that's often one of the very first touch points that a consumer and will ultimately um, help them determine whether they want to even install the app And then once they install the app, obviously, there's generally um, something deeper that you want them to do, whether that's purchase something, subscribe, trial, register, whatever it might be, right? To get them there, though, they've got to go through the app stores. And I think um, I'm increasingly, uh, from the behalf of my agency, trying to advocate for, hey, this is an area where you really have to focus on the experience, and and it better do a good job of accurately explaining it. because. If it says one thing on the App store page, then they get in the app and it's a very different thing and it's unexpected, they'll likely not move further down the funnel, right? They'll just they'll either stop using the app or delete it. Um, and that's kind of an expensive uh, expensive lesson to learn.
0: I love that, Steve. Again, hey, we're here with with Steve DeAngelis, who's the VP of Americas for MNC Saatchi Mobile. Uh, really interesting to talk today a little bit about about how even in the paid, media and specifically the performance marketing space we've got to be looking at this much more holistically everybody needs to be focused on experience today Uh, steve just just shared some really great examples about you know even, even app store type stuff what's the experience you're creating from the very first touch point that you may have with with customers steve final thoughts on on what you guys are doing specifically with the experience driven business today
2: you know, again, um, we're just trying to really help our clients make sure that it's a cohesive experience across all those touch points. And, and we certainly don't necessarily control all those touch points, but um, we're here to be strategic advisors and kind of how to, to ensure that really your whole organization is looking at the experience and trying to make sure that everyone's on message.
0: Um, and again, we, we try to control what we control um, and advise where we can. Fantastic. Again, special thanks to Steve DeAngelis from MNC Saatchi Mobile. Uh, Everybody will be talking to you soon. Steve, thanks so much.
2: Thank you, you, Jeff. It's been a pleasure,
1: gentlemen. Thanks, Steve.
0: See you guys.